0: Welcome to Talking Bulls, Episode 8. It's Talking Bulls Podcast, Episode 8. We're going to talk today about the 1998 Bulls, The Last Dance, which takes place today at 9 p.m. on the East Coast. And we're also going to talk about management and carnal service. We'll be back right after this. Bulls Nation Talking Bulls is the new wave the podcast that speaks the truth to loyal Bulls fans we'd be honored to hear your thoughts on the Bulls shoot us your comments to this podcast on Twitter at Talking Bulls 82 follow us at Spotify and Talking Bulls Facebook today's show, it's gonna be you know straight, straight hitting. Um, I'm not gonna hold no punches. It's not gonna be any stats or anything like that. You know, not too many stats. Uh, we're just gonna just talk about talk uh, the last dance tonight, um, the first night of, of the ten part documentary. And a lot of people, when they view, when they're looking at this this documentary, they're gonna be shocked. And but I'm one of those people that won't be shocked. You know, I sat through and l- seen the, the 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 last dance in the flesh. Uh, I've watched this team win all six of their NBA championships throughout my childhood, and I remember everything that team has been through. Mostly everything, because uh, some clips have been brought out about the the last dance. And it's mainly, basically, what the 10-part documentary is con- is going to consist of. And I remember all of these things. And, and like I, like I said, this, this documentary is not going to reveal most things to me that I don't already know. And that's what I'm going to air out on, to, on today's podcast. But I think the number one thing that people need to realize about the 98 Bulls is that they were fighting against... Something way more competitive than the opponents that they faced on the court. They were going against management who wanted the credit for the 98 Bulls success, not only the 98 Bulls success, but for the Dynasty success. Mainly Jerry Krause, the GM who, God rest his soul, has passed away, who joined the organization in 85 when Jerry Ronsdorf took over the team. And he had, you know, issues with Phil Jackson and which ended up turning off being the issue between the front office and the players. And Jerry Krause just basically wanted all the credit for constructing the ninety eight Bulls. And he didn't deserve all the credit. You know, even though he brought in Phil Jackson and he brought in Steve Kerr, Ron Harper, Dennis Robin and some of the parts that contributed in drafting Scottie Pippen. Took traded Scottie Pippen on draft day for all the So he made these moves. But I felt like, you know, Phil Jackson also played a part in the success of the Bulls. And definitely Michael Jordan did. And management was under the impression that, you know, these guys were not willing to concede to them. And they just wanted to get rid of him. And that, that's to they wanted to rebuild. But they wanted to rebuild around Michael Jordan. We all knew that Scottie Pippen had a contract coming up. And he couldn't work things out with the Bulls to get a bigger contract. And I believe it was supposed to be around $70 million he wanted to keep him. And management was not willing to give him that. So Scottie Pippen was on his way out the door. And I believe Phil Jackson was saying that if Scottie Pippen didn't return, he wasn't going to return. Michael Jordan, on the other hand, as well, was saying if, if Phil didn't return, he wasn't going to return. So it was basically management wanting new staff, a new coaching staff, with Michael Jordan. And we already know that Michael Jordan was not having that. Michael Jordan clearly made it evident that he was not willing To start over with another coach, and Jerry Krause at the time was I believe was bringing in Tim Floyd from Iowa, which was Krause's buddy, bringing him in from Iowa to coach the team. And this was not a good decision um, that was that was uh, welcomed by Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, and Michael Jordan, who all thought the coaching hire would be a joke. And was basically would have meant them all starting over from scratch. Now, how do you, as a championship team, win six NBA titles, dominate the league, have a chance to win two more titles, but you want to rebuild? You want to see all of that end to rebuild and go to the bottom of the flock. It, it just it just what it, it is what it what it is it is what it was. Um, management wanted to prove that they can build the ninety eight bulls again. They wanted to prove that they were the reason for the team's success. How did they wanted to do this? They wanted to get rid of these guys and build around Michael Jordan. But my thing is, how do you say that your influence was 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 bigger and greater than Michael Jordan? And the the 98 Bulls. But you want to reconstruct. Your philosophy around Michael Jordan. Which I'm glad Michael Jordan elected to retire. If Phil Phil Jackson didn't come back. Because how do you. Plan on. Doing this. But you want to bring Michael Jordan back. How do you want to deviate. From the 98 team. How do you deviate from the Bulls. But you want to also bring back a piece of that team to re-implement your philosophy. And Michael Jordan knew, if he stood behind, he knew what, what this was gonna be about. He was gonna be starting over with a coach that didn't, didn't share his philosophy on winning, and not only that, was willing to start all over with a bunch of young guys and a, and a brand new team and, and brand new teammates and a brand new system. Sort of like what the Bulls did, management did with with Tibbs when they threw him out the door. Starting with Fred Horberg, who was also from Iowa, by the way. And stick with me, guys, because most of the things that has happened has reoccurred over time. Which is weird in itself. But yeah, he he wasn't going to start over with a new coach. So he elected to retire. And as you know, when that Bulls team broke up, Jordan retired. Phil Jackson went on to coach the Lakers. Rodman ended up with the Lakers about 2-3 years later and Scottie Pippen ended up in Houston. I forgot what his contract was but I believe he got definitely a better contract than he had with Chicago. He was getting $2.7 million with the Bulls which was his rookie deal. So he never had a new deal which was Pippen's right for years. Which is why he was unhappy and wanted to go. But ultimately it led to this team separating and breaking up and starting all over and from nineteen ninety nine to two thousand three, Krauss's remaining years. The Bulls were a joke of the league. You know, they had the worst record in the league in nineteen ninety nine. And they didn't make the playoffs once again until two thousand four when they formed the baby Bulls. And that was, I believe, the year that Krauss was not there. This is when John Paxson took over. Because Krauss resigned in 2003. So the tug of war to prove that Krauss and management were more important than the coaches, were more important than the, team, the players, failed. Because it proved in the end that management couldn't rebuild what they thought they built. Through 91, up through 85, I'm sorry, to 98. You know, it, it proved that they. They couldn't do it again. And and that's my thing. That's the glaring thing that you look at. If they're saying that they were the architects of the 98 Bulls, or the Bulls in general, then how come they weren't able to reconstruct a championship team when Phil, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman all walked out the door? How come they weren't able to do that? And this is something that has to end because management is still doing that to this day because if they weren't Tom Thibodeau would never been had the situation he had with John Paxson where he was thrown out the door and he was physically thrown out the door because they walked him out of the United Center and all of these things that occurred during the the, the 2011 Bulls also occurred during that time During the dynasty years. So I'm thinking about these two situations and thinking about these two teams. And I'm thinking, management has been like this for years. They're dictators. They want guys to obey them. Or they're going to throw them out the door. They want yes men, I I should say. And that's been the main issue with this franchise since day one. Oh man, it still exists, this problem that we're having, you know, and it bothers me that it will reoccur. We're going to take a quick break, fans, and when I come back, we're going to talk about why do I believe this situation will reoccur if management doesn't change its view. We'll be right back. step into the red target known as the bullseye facebook group consisting of 2200 loyal fans loyal passionate fans that really care about the bulls watch us post the most up-to-date information on the team team news trades injuries and all related bulls content join us on the bullseye facebook group We'll talk Talkin' Bulls. Welcome Bulls fans. Welcome back. Um, I had a thought. I think this 10-part documentary is going to be just as good as the corner sofa signing was. But it can be ruined. It can be ruined once again. Because I believe in the positive sense that high-end corner sofa proves that management is willing to go in a new direction to win which if you're trying to promote free agents to come, if you're trying to lure free agents to your team is a good thing because you want free agents to know that you're about winning. So firing guard packs, you know, I mean, nobody around the league was in the dark about how our management was and the things that they were doing. And this has played a part in why we weren't able to attract free agents. So you threw out guard packs. You're showing good faith that you're willing to change. You're willing to go in a winning direction. Karnasovas, who has been a winner his whole life, winning in Europe, winning championships in Europe, and the achievements that he gained over there, and then coming to Denver and making them a playoff team and a potential contender in the future. He turned that Denver team around and brought in some of those players that he brought in, making them second in the West and a very competitive basketball team. So you have somebody that exemplifies what... Change is because you see what Denver did and you kind of based on what the Bulls have been doing and not making the playoffs You want to go in that direction And Connor Silva, I'm hearing like I said I've done my research on him He has a lot of connections in a lot of different countries and He usually runs a pretty good uh, staff. That's good with scouting So you brought in a guy that knows how to scout and bring in the right players and you brought in a guy that represents winning now free agents around the league see this not only are they going to see this, you can best of believe with no basketball going on, with a shutdown, every single player in the league is going to be watching this documentary The Last Dance. And they're going to get an idea of what management was and still is like. And that, if that's not enough to push management to change the way they think and the way they view things and the way they do business... I don't think they're ever going to change the way they think and do business. But in my in my, in my eyes, what was the point of bringing in Carnival Service in the first place and promoting change if you're not thinking about it? If you guys remember um, during the All Star break, during All Star weekend, when the fans were booing guard packs, around that time, before that, fans stopped coming to games. We were losing money in the United Center after we sold out for years fans slowly stopped coming. You started seeing more red empty seats in the United Center. And I believe that hurts Jerry's pockets and it showed him that he has to, he has to, not want to, has to make some kind of change. But see, making the right change, it was good bringing in the sofas but my question that I have for management is, are you willing to completely let, allow this guy to do his job? Or are you going to control him like you did Thibs and like you probably did with John Paxson? And if Karnasovas brings in a new coach, is he going to allow that coach to do his job? See, it comes down from the top. It comes down from the top. Whatever Ronsdorf wants Karnasovas to do, Karnasovas is going to do. Whatever Karnasovas wants the coach to do, he's going to do. So you have to have a front office and a management that's willing to lay it all on the line. Let the coach make his own decisions. That's why you hired him, because you figured he could do the job. I mean, if not, why did you hire him? You had to see something in the, in the corner, specifically, and that's why you brought him in for the job. This documentary, The Last Dance, is going to open and answer a lot of questions for a lot of people around the league who did not know how the Bulls did business. So it's more than just a 10-part documentary talking about the Bulls and their championships. Everybody knows they were a dominant team, and in that last year, I already covered that they had a lot of trials that they had to get through. I mean, separate from management on court, they had a lot of teams that had their number during the year, and they had to tussle with. So we already know that was a tough year for them. But the management side and the management's relationship with the players in the organization, that's huge. Because we need to promote right now as an organization. This is a big time for Chicago. And to bring in corner Silvers to manage the team is a is a is a is a show of faith that, you know, we're willing to implement change. And to show this ten part documentary is showing what we used to be and what we will be and why management needs to change the way they do business. Maybe it'll open their eyes that, you know, the way we handled things back then was not a good way to handle it. And um, I'm looking forward to this documentary as well because, you know, we're not having basketball going on right now and the product that the Bulls have been putting out on the floor for years and years, a number of years, we need some kind of change right now and we need to see the team in a different light and we need some sense of hope that things are going to possibly change. So we're going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to talk more about the 98 Bulls and the last Dance documentary having its first night. We'll be right back. What's up out there, Bulls fans? We're a new show and we're always looking to grow. How would you like to be a part of our show? Send us your comments through Twitter, at TalkingBulls82. Or you can post your comments to this show, to the messenger of this show, and you can follow us at Spotify. We'd be glad to hear your thoughts. We're back on Talking Bulls. And tonight is the first night of the 10-part documentary. And I know a lot of people are going to be excited about this documentary. A lot of people are going to watch it. A lot of people are going to be talking about it. It's going to have social media on fire. And I'm probably going to do a couple shows on the, the each part of the documentary. I'm looking forward to doing that. But how dominant was this team, man? Um, six championships in eight years. A lot of people believe if they didn't never lose Michael Jordan in 93, and 94, 95, they would have had eight championships. Or what if they had stayed together? Could they have won a, a seventh title? When we had that shortened season, of 50 games, and Dennis Rodman was on the show to jump saying that, oh my goodness, he said when we broke up, now they decided to have a shortened season. He said we could have definitely had a better, a, a real, a dominant season. That all we had to do was win 50 games. He believed they would have won 50 and 0. I don't believe a team can can go undefeated and win every single game, but the, I think their record would have been. Crazy good, it probably would have been forty two and eight that year. I'll give them a forty two and eight but man that that team was amazing, and they were so dominant that teams would 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 celebrate when they would defeat them in a regular season game because they really lost they lost forty three games in, in three seasons. I already covered all this that they how many games they lost in in the seasons that they had. But even with the, the, the struggles that they had in, in seven games against the Indiana Pacers, they still found a way to win. And I find it hard to believe that with a, with a shortened season and with no team in the Eastern Conference being that do, that dominant as they were back in that 99 season. Because the Knicks, remember that, that year that they retired, I mean, they, they the Bulls broke up. The Knicks were an eight that went all the way to the NBA Finals. And I don't think that Knicks team would have beat the Bulls. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm being biased. I don't think they were that good to stop the Bulls from getting to the NBA championship. The Knicks that year was like basically the little engine that could, you know, that had that dream of winning the NBA championship and had that doubt. They were AC, didn't have that good of a year, and people were already writing them off. And, you know, that Allen Houston shot in game five, you know, that double pump, and bounce off the glass to go in and him running to the other end of the court and throwing his fist out um, was a famous shot to defeat the Miami Heat in the first round. But Let's talk about the Spurs with Tim Duncan and and David Robinson going up against Michael Jordan. Now, we already know the Bulls struggled with centers back in their time. They struggled with a lot of good centers like like Patrick Ewing and uh, Hakeem Olajuwon and and Shaquille O'Neal. But how about dealing with Duncan and David Robinson? How would that have fared against the Bulls? I don't know, man. Because like I just said, even with you know teams having mismatches against us, because I felt like Utah had a few mismatches against us, and I had heard felt Indiana had some mismatches against us with the Davis brothers and Rick Smith, but we Rick Smiths, but we still found a way to beat those teams. So if I had to predict, I think the Bulls would have won their seventh title. But my point was that that team was just getting older and older, that Bulls team. And Michael Jordan even said it in a couple interviews that they felt old and they were getting older. I just put it this way. If this team went forward and continued to keep the same team, I think eventually they would have lost. And Michael Jordan saying in that 97 post-game interview when they won the NBA championship against Utah, their fifth title, saying that, you know, the whole thing that he talked against management, saying that, you know, you got to pay respects to the people that laid the groundwork and, you know, how management has to keep the guys together. They owe it to them to keep them together so they can fight to keep what they have until somebody, until they lose it. But I don't know, man. As As, as a player playing on that team, I understand that. But playing, I mean, as a, as a fan watching that team, I don't think any fan would have liked to see the Bulls lose. I mean, picture Michael Jordan forty years old holding on, or forty five holding on. Because forty years old, when he went to the Wizards, he still had some gas in the tank. But picture him forty five, still holding on, and these young guns are just like running him down the court, and he don't—he looked like he don't even have any gas. How many of you fans would have liked to see the Bulls like that? I wouldn't have. We would have definitely had to retool and bring some young guys in to help Michael Jordan and help Scottie Pippen. We would have definitely had to do some retooling. But keeping the same team, nah, I don't think it was a wise decision going forward. Am I making the case that Jerry Krause might have been right for breaking up the Bulls? No, I'm not because I think Jerry Krause's reason for breaking up the Bulls was a wrong decision. I think he wanted to break up the Bulls for his own reasons, his own pride, as he wanted to prove something to himself. But in me, as far as a fan, I think it was the right decision for the Bulls to break up. Because I feel like you have to go out on top. And I feel like you have to retool. But the problem is, management didn't know how to retool. They didn't know how to get the team the weapons that it needed. They didn't know how to get the team back to championship status. And it doesn't happen overnight, but you still should have brought in some, some better moves and or you should have constructed a team that was uh, better equipped to at least compete for the Eastern Conference. And they they weren't able to do that, obviously. And the coaches that they chose were not good enough to ride that ship, a team of that caliber. So tonight is, is the last dance. I'm really looking forward to it. I wanted to do this special pod. You know, honor in that documentary, the first day of that documentary. And I'm going to be looking forward to that documentary. I'm going to give you guys my responses to whatever is shown and displayed and told on that show. Because it's going to be ten parts. So, probably going to do episode nine on whatever is said in that documentary tonight. I believe it's two episodes tonight. Start 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. on ESPN. That's my show. I'm going to wrap this up, guys. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy The Last Dance. And we'll see you back here for Episode 9. Go Bulls.